Monday, September the 4th, we have holiday racing from a bunch of different racetracks, so we had to bring you a special edition of That's What G Said podcast. We also have the newest episode of Ahsoka, episode 3, the deep dive recap and review with Tim Kelly. So we have a lot of ground to cover, and since I'm recording this one pretty late, I wanted to make sure we... Just uh, we're able to get through some best bets and some plays at some of the tracks for you. We're going to go through Woodbine, early pick five, races two through six, $50,000 guarantee in that early pick five pool. And we'll talk about uh, races two through five, Remember you could, or two through six. Remember, you can play that with a, just a 20-cent base wager. Then we'll get into Saratoga. It is closing day on Monday. We'll hit the pick six, races six through 11. We'll hit that sequence. Then best bets for Louisiana Downs, best bets for Del Mar, and then we finish up with the scene-by-scene deep dive recap and review. It's episode three out of eight of Ahsoka. Tim Kelly joins, and uh, we'll get all into positive negatives, what we liked, what we didn't, and uh, what to look forward to next week. On this episode of That's What G Said, that is presented by Cindy Carava, full-service realtor Cindy Carava, the website C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Now, that means she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement. Maybe you're just curious how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. If you need help with lenders uh, getting that uh, loan, she will definitely connect you to the right types of folks who will expedite that process for you. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, CindyCarava.com. Okay, lots of ground to cover in the world of racing. We're going to go from the Woodbine Pick 5, basically in order. Woodbine Early Pick 5, Saratoga races 6 through 11, Louisiana Downs, two best bets, Del Mar, four races I'm going to talk about with the horses to play, and then we finish up with Ahsoka. Let's dive on into the horse racing portion of this episode. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And 
any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Right now, there's also a big Labor Day sale that goes all the way through Monday, 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. You can get up to 50% off on all of those DRF products, pass performances, DRF picks, Clocker reports, uh, DRF Press Plus Pro, everything you need to succeed at dailyracingform.com, drf.com with your daily racing form. We've all been playing uh, the races for years using that DRF. Now it's just so easy with drf.com to get all the tools. Take advantage of that Labor Day sale right now. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Okay, let's get into the Monday racing for September the 4th. We're going to start with Woodbine. We're going to start in race number two. This is where that early pick five starts with the $50,000 guaranteed pool. The horse who is really intriguing to me is the number four, Rockland Express. Lightly raced with some upside. This horse had a slow first few steps last time out and then pushed up from the outside to take the lead. And a couple others wanted it. But this horse just couldn't clear off. It just made it a really difficult type trip. And then the winner of that race was a really impressive winner. He wasn't that far back from another group for the minor awards. And he's better than that last effort would suggest. Kimura jumps aboard. Lots of positives. The six is lightly raced with upside also in this race. In these types of races, I always look for the more lightly raced horses. Uh, was behind a horse named Bongino who was second next time out versus 15 non-winners of three. He's been behind Cal Kokai Pal, uh, Philip My Dear, some really nice horses. Um, he He's a major player in here. The eight was the other one for me, Coach Abernathy. His last two races are bad, but they were against better. He's actually run better against better. They were both on the turf. Can you just eliminate those last two and go back to his two races on the synthetic that were pretty good? That'd be very competitive in here. I think because he'll be a price, I'm going to include him four, six, and eight for sure for me. 
The two speed horses are the ones I didn't know what to do with. That's both the five giant one with the blinkers coming on and the seven hip to your tricks. I think they might run into each other early. Neither one of them is a win machine, one for 14 and one for 15 overall. Giant one's getting some class relief with the blinks on. They just Giant one seems a little more one-dimensional, but with hip to your tricks stretching out, you feel like he's going to be right there too. So I'm going to use the other horses who I think will be a little bit behind the speeds. I'll go four, six, eight. If for some reason one of the two speed horses scratched the five or the seven, I would upgrade the other. I have them in a tier below, four, six, eight, and then five, seven. Let's move to the third at Woodbine. This one is five furlongs on the turf. It's a maiden special weight. I like the one in here, Kid Marvelous. The way I'm projecting this race, you know, there could be a good amount of speed in here. I don't really know if the outside horse, Midnight Tempesta, wants to pass. Arafat is really quick. He's actually run a couple good, really good races too. But now he's going to go second start off the long layoff. We have some question marks with him. Mesa Spirit has not raced this year. I think he'll be forwardly placed. Royal Quality is quick. And Birthday Munning's best races are when he's right on the lead. I feel like it should set up well for Kid Marvelous if he can work out a trip. The blinkers are going to come on. He draws the rail. Can he just take back a little bit and make a swoop move? Last start, July the 30th, he settled inside. He was toward the rear. He got steadied. He got pushed back to last. He was about six lengths off. He moved in between. He was up to fifth, about four off, three deep outside. He made a big four-wide bid at the top of the line, up the challenge for the lead, but he got put away by Ready Shakespeare, a nice one. Now the blinkers come on. His form is a little bit better than it may look at first glance. I like the one in here. I'm going to go one, two, three. I thought the two and the three both make the most sense. They're kind of the most proven, most seasoned, which is not really always what you like with maidens. I was just talking about talking, taking the horses with more upside in the non-winners of two ranks. But I do think if either one of them needed to sit off a little bit, they probably could here. Birthday Munnings goes third, starting off the bench. And Royal Quality is cutting back to five, so positive things for them. Birthday Munnings ran into, uh, rest in peace, New York Thunder, who was about to win the grade one Jenkins before taking that bad step and going down. So Birthday Munnings, Royal Quality, face tough company. Let's go one, two, three in the third at Woodbine. Race four, six furlongs on the turf. Hungry Wolf, the distance is the key for him. So I think these sprint races are a lot better for him. He actually has some speed. He came from way out of it last time out. He was 10th, but he was only about 4 or 5 off at the most. He tried to move in, in between a wall of traffic. He kept getting stopped, though. But he still kept coming. He kept getting stopped, and he'd sort of alter, and he'd move up a little bit. He'd alter, and he'd spot, found a way to finish second. And this is a tougher group, but he has some ability. One true gentleman exits a loaded race. There were four next out winners. Kremlin Lad won next out, beat optional 40. Colonel Mustard won at this level next time out. Agile Dancer won fourth place finisher. Eighth place finisher won a maiden 15. One true gentleman's dam won three times on the turf and won the first turf start which this will be for one true gentleman. 
GQ adds the blinkers. Damn one on the turf. Has worked on the turf. He got stuck in a really tight spot in between horses. Kind of lined up into the line of four. Backed up. Lost a couple lengths. Was sixth all the way. Was back to last. And then pushed through. Kind of better than it looks on paper. The eight field hockey should sit a perfect trip in here. Second start of the year. He loomed up three deep with dead aim. And he just ran like a horse who needed the race. He's tough for me to leave out. I'm going 4 2 8 5. If you want to go deeper, the 9 took up badly at the start last time. Last Monarch, he drew the rail. He goes inside to outside. He came running late. He wasn't far out of second last time out. It was not a bad effort. This is a pretty contentious race. It just, the 2 is the likely favorite. He does look good. Others do. Intrigue at their prices, though. Four, two, eight, five. You want to go deeper, even the nine. Let's move to the fifth race. Seventy-five hundred dollar claimers going a mile on the sixteenth on the synthetic. I like the five. Silent lucidity. He got pushed five wide going into the uh, the first turn. Then he settled fifth. He made a big four wide move up in between horses. And then he flattened. This is a good spot for him, though. The two solar should sit a great trip. The three finalist looks like the one to catch. Full extreme on the big drop will come running. I'm going to make a horse like Mambo in the forest prove it. After uh, coming running at 13 to 1 last time out, he's just 4 for 45 lifetime. 5, 2, 3. You want to go deeper? I'd throw in the 1. Let's close out the Woodbine pick four. With the number four, collect dat. If you toss those last two races, he was claimed and then tried stakes races. And he, or she. She was in the Woodbine Oak. She was 145 to one there. She tried another stakes race after that. What I like about both of those, she got some fitness going longer. Now she cuts back to six and a half. I think that'll give her more late punch. The two Halaga. Third off the form cycle, better on the synthetic. Just ran well twice on the turf, now cuts back. I think the horse to beat. The five Karakara is probably the one to catch. Six and a half might be a tad long for her. The one hot cargo has not done much wrong. Rail draw should keep her kind of close and in the mix. Four, two, top tier, five, one, if you wanted to go a little deeper. That's Woodbine. Early pick five for Monday. Good luck. Pick five starts in race two. $50,000 guaranteed pick five pool. Let's get you over to Saratoga. Holiday Monday racing for Labor Day. And this is closing day at Saratoga, which means everything must go. Mandatory payouts in the pools. We're going to flip to race number six. Now, the also eligibles are the key to this race because the horses all drawn to the outside. Agalos the Great, Catalina Crush, uh... Can I get a loan? All these horses, if they're in, they're players. Even the outside three, Vetriano, Strawberry Quick, and Quiet Wisdom. So if those horses draw in, they're all players. But it's very rare that you see all of them draw in, and this isn't a race on the turf or anything. So for the case that they're not drawing in, horses that I'm looking at, the five, Bonnie Chance, the damn one, a couple siblings were both winners. The barn is 10 for their last 74 with first-time starters, but in the last eight, 
They've had two winners, two uh, one second and four thirds, rolling as of late. Nice pattern. Bonnie Chance in the mix for me. The number four. Diane's retiring. Dam was multiple stakes placed, won twice. Only one for the last 18 with first-time starters. Steady tab, though, right here. I prefer this one of the Baker ones. The six solos Fury is probably the horse to beat. Based on the work tab, Dam was a four-time winner. Barn super capable with first-time starters around 19% over the last five years. Those are the three for me of the firsters, five, four, six. The three is kind of a wild card, but the barn just doesn't win a whole ton first time out. Four siblings, three debut winners. And the dam was a four-time winner who won the second start. There's a ton of precocity in this pedigree. The one and the two, I like, wanted to like more. I'm just sort of struggling to get to sorority, prank from the rail, and the barn struggled with first-time starters. Just one for their last 19 and only like six for their one for the last 120. I'm going to go 5, 4, 6, and then we'll see what happens with the horses to, to the outside. <clears throat> Let's go to race number 7, mile and a 16th on the turf, New York Reds. First level allowance. I like the 6 in here, Smoky Eyes. I think there'll be a decent amount of speed with Overacting and Spooky Lady both in the mix here. Smoky Eyes had a good start, settled inside, was 4th about 4 off, and then made a big 4 wide mood up into contention. Challenge for the lead was just a little bit short. First start in a few months. The five South Dream Girl should come running, has run well here. All these horses ran behind Silver Skillet. D7 is overacting. Six, five, seven. The four Snowy Evening also in the mix gets away from Silver Skillet after the last two. I would go six, five. Top tier, seven, four. You want to go a little deeper. Let's move into eighth race at Saratoga. Like the one a little bit, can he sit behind from the rail? That's the major question. We can toss the race last time out on a muddy track. And now he'll put two starts together. The 6B, the boss, he's got some speed. He should be in the mix throughout. Always charming with his draw coming out of a couple of productive races. I think that'll put him in a nice spot. He was fourth, the second place finisher last time out, came back to win their next start by eight and a quarter. Six ten one is how I stacked them. Let's move to the ninth race. This is where I'm going to single. Made in special weight, going five and a half on the turf. The three American know-how. Had a fine start. Was second, was chasing City Fever. So in his last two starts, he's been behind the same horse, who's just a little bit better than him. He moved up the challenge. He just couldn't go by the winner. He was four plus lengths clear, the third place finisher. He just fits really well in here. He can sit off a little bit. He can be right on the lead. American know-how will be the single for me in the pick six as we move to race number 10. couple in here. I think the Pirate is... Maybe a horse who, who will get a little forgotten about. He's a half-to-national treasure. He drew the rail, so he pushed through from the rail and got the got the lead. I don't think he's a need-the-lead type. I'm going to use the 11, the 10 BU, who comes out of that strong race where Locke was third. I actually prefer BU to Just Steel, mainly because of the draw for Just Steel. 
And then Valentine Candy, the nine, is in that race with two next out winners. We saw the fifth place finisher come back to finish second. And they've upgraded the buyer to a ninety uh, to an 85 buyer. Muth, the horse to catch. A couple big speed figures. I mean, obviously he wouldn't shock. I think he's going to get caught up with a couple with a couple that are really fast horses in here. I'm going to go 11, 10, 9, and then whatever you want to do with Muth. Let's finish off the Saratoga meet. Race number 11. Horses that I'm uh, going to be using on my radar here. I like the 5, the first time starter here. Fake Celebrity, the dam was a winner on the turf, was stakes placed. 5 siblings, 3 winners, 1 on the turf, 1 won the debut. Just no monsters in this group. You've got Chulligan, who had some trouble at the start and then hooked a wire-to-wire winner. Lieutenant Mitchell's probably the speed of the speed. And Scaramanga's dam was a six-time winner on the turf. I'm going 5-12, 11-8 if you wanted to go a little deeper. There's some Saratoga for closing day. Best of luck. Take a little swing in some of the exotics there at Saratoga. Let's get over to Louisiana Downs for two plays. For Monday, we're going to go to races three and five. Third race is a $7,500 non-winners of two claimer going a mile on the turf. The number one, Little Johnny, he's been on the turf twice. In his debut, which was on June the 19th, it was right here at Louisiana. He was a winner. He closed from, he was like mid-pack. He was seventh in a field of 11, but he was only about three lengths off. Then in his next start, he stepped up. He faced 25 non-winners of two. It was just a little too tough for him. And there's nobody in the field with a turf win. He's going to go third start of the form cycle. He's going to drop in from 25 non-winners of two to $7,500 non-winners of two. It's a nice spot for little Johnny, the number one, who is 12 to one on the morning line. We move to race number five for our next play. And here we're going to look at the 10. This is a first-time starter, a two-year-old filly. She's named Front and Silver. Her dam won her first two starts, was a multiple stakes winner that was three for eight overall, and she only tried turf one time, which was in a stakes race. This is her first full. This barn is 16 for 79 with first-time starters over the last five years, four for 20 in their last two, uh, four for 20 over the last year. Their last two ran second and third. And they are really due for some luck. At this meet, they have one win and eight runner-ups. Front and silver. 5-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything over 7-2, to two, I think that's fair value on front and silver. That's Monday at Louisiana Downs. Two best bets there. Best of luck playing the races at Louisiana. Let's move on over and finish up at Del Mar for Monday. Let's talk about races 2, 6, 8, and 9. Second race, I'm looking at the number five. This one's a maiden 20 claimer, so low-level claimers. Chaos Reigns is a horse I've been following for a while. He has ability. He ran into Dream Shake, Defunded in the first couple starts. His third start was very good. It was off a long layoff. He finished fourth, and then he came back in his next start, and he needed to go to the bench again. He was off from June of 2022 all the way to August earlier this month. He showed up. He had a fine start. He was one of five horses that showed speed down on the inside. He kind of pushed his way up to second, but he tired early as the leaders separated. If he's got something left on this big drop in class, second off, he came back to work in between 
his most recent race and now, which was just a few weeks ago. Chaos reigns. He's 6-1 to one on the morning line. I could see him running really well in here. If he's anything in that 5-1 to one range, make sure to include him in your exotics and play him. Let's move to the sixth race. We're going to look at the number five in here, Arrow the Great, who is five to one on the morning line. This is a maiden special weight race going a mile on the, the dirt. And a lot of these horses, we've seen them for a bit. The one is 0 for 11. The two, Dazzle Me Silver, is 0 for 5. Flat On is 0 for 7. Captain Chuchis is 0 for 4. Precision Strikes race seven times. Pelagio nine times. XL Calculator, seven. So you get the point. Arrow the Great. Runner-up in the debut behind a horse named Newgate, who's a grade three winner. And then he's off from last year all the way to February of this year. Shows up in February. He runs into a horse named Henry Q, who's actually a stakes winner and multiple graded stakes placed. And then he's off from February to August. He shows back up August the 17th. He runs really well. He has a good start. He's the third three deep of four. He's right up on the lead, and he backs up a little bit to third again. Looks like he's backing up, but he kind of fights and holds second. The horse who wins that day, Will B, was making his second start. He earns an 89 buyer and winning. Now Arrow the Great goes second start off the bench. He stretches out from six furlongs to a mile. The way he ran visually sort of feels like the distance should be no problem for him. And there is honestly no early speed in this race. Everyone in here is more of like a grinder and a plotter. They're not really that fast early. I think Arrow the Great should be aggressively handled and sent hard. Espinoza was on a speed horse that dead heated on Sunday that he had to ride from the rail and he just rode really aggressively. I'd love to see him do that aboard Arrow the Great. 5-1 to one on the morning line. Anything above 7-2. to two, Fair value there. We move to the 8th race. We're going to talk about the one horse in here. Four to one on the morning line. Petito. This barn is just so much better second time out. We've mentioned it over and over. Carla Gaines rarely wins with debut runners and then always improves with second and third time starters. And in his debut, Petito drew the rail, flash speed, and that race has come back strong. The third place finisher came back to win by eight lengths next out. The runner-up came back to finish third. And the winner was in a Cal Red Stakes race and was only beaten three quarters of a length, finished third that day in the graduation. Potito. Expect a lot of improvement. There is not much other proven speed in here. I think Potito is the one to catch from the rail. And let's finish up with race number nine. When you look through this field, Mile in the 16th on the turf, optional 80s, first level allowance. This is another one where on paper you're just looking and you're not seeing a whole lot of early speed. That's why I gravitate to the two Horace Man. Third start off the bench, the blinkers come off. Had a trouble trip last time out, was only 3-1. to one. And in all of his starts before that, he was on the lead or showing some tactical speed. And he won basically on the lead. Vasquez gets aggressive with him. The number two, Horace Mann, who is five to one on the morning line. Again, my value line there was like three to one. So anything like above that, seven to two-ish, it's fair value. That's a look at Monday. All over the place. Woodbine, Saratoga, Louisiana, and Del Mar. 
let's shift on over, change subjects. Before we do, though, we want to let everybody know, if you're looking for a gift, holiday seasons are starting to come up. Can you believe it? Summer ends and then boom, we're into September, October, November, December. A great gift for someone or just something for the changing of the seasons to have around the house is a candle. And these particular candles are different. They are all natural, soy wax, no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. We're talking about Sarah Candles, C-E-R-A Candles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O. It'll get you 10% off your purchase. Star Wars, new Disney Plus TV show, Ahsoka has released episode three. So we're three episodes in. Tim Kelly joined me to recap episodes one and two last week. This week, we get all into episode three. Wasn't a long one, only about 30 minutes. So we really do a deep dive scene by scene recap review. Spoiler alert, we get into everything from Ahsoka episode three. Time to dive into episode three of Ahsoka. couple things to really take note coming out of this episode. Remember... Spoiler alert, we're going to go over everything that happened in episode three of Ahsoka and how it connects to the greater Star Wars universe. We see Purgle, some hyperspace <laughs> whales. We get a good look at them. And you know what? I think they look pretty good. Sometimes it's hard to um, to cha- uh, to transfer things over from animation, in particular creatures like this that are mm. um, sort of large and kind of um, – cartoonish in in their origin i thought they did a pretty good job here and in this particular episode the the two things about the episode that stood out to me the relationship building between ahsoka and sabine we get to see some of that relationship between master and padawan really it it Mm -hmm. kind of feels like a sisterhood like you know more more so because they're not as much um even though the relationships master padawan as ahsoka has mentioned in prior episodes you never stop learning Mm -hmm. You're always learning, even when you are a master. She learns from Sabine. I took that out, the relationship building between the two of them. And then the incompetence of the New Republic. Like, that's just something that we see because this leads to the rise of the First Order. It's one of those things where when you it's like when you're watching prequels, like, you know what's going to (laughs) happen at the end, right? We know they're going to lose. We know the New Republic is not going to go – it's not going to be successful, but we see – at the origins, why? Like how um, all the remnants of the empire and even, you know, even in small situations, like when there's like the Senator council with Hera and they don't want to give her the resources they need um, just on all levels, like real, real incompetence. And it's no surprise that the empire was able to have such a stronghold and that the first order was able to rise. Those are a couple of like my major notes coming out of this episode, TK. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely doing a lot to connect the dots between the trilogies. And I think that's what uh, Dave Filoni ha- has been charged with uh, in, you know, in his, in his duties at, you know, as, you know, steering the ship, uh, you know, post by George Lucas. Uh, so I, I think they're, there is uh, some loose ends to kind of tie together to kind of explain how we go from the happy ending of Return of the Jedi to, uh, you know, the the, the sequel series uh, and uh, Force Awakens and how, the, you know, the we're back to uh, 
things being in kind of disarray and we don't get that happy endings, but, you know, and time has passed. So how did we get there? And we've, we've spent a little bit of time with Andor learning about that. Uh, and we, we, we've learned a little bit more, you know, on side episodes of uh, Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian, things like that, that have pushed that story forward. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this is doing a good job of, uh, of setting the stage and, and connecting those dots. Also, I thought this was a, uh, generally a pretty breezy episode it kept up the quality of the first two uh pretty well i heard some complaints about it being a little bit too thin not enough happened it was too short i get that uh but it didn't really bother me too much um we were retreading over some old things it was doing that thing that uh George Lucas and Filoni love to do that rhyming thing where we're, we're kind of seeing something that we've seen before, but with new characters in a slightly mm -hmm. new context. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we got a lot of that this episode. And then the real the, the new meat that we got was that Purgle stuff that you mentioned, the space mm -hmm. whales. I mean, we've got little tidbits of that before, but we got our first feast of, of Purgle in this episode. And it's I think it's 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 doing a pretty good job while it's trying to to serve a couple of different masters and that. It yeah. wants to it wants to have a show that is good for all that is is watchable for everyone, no matter what your knowledge of Rebels or Clone Wars or some of the animated series are. But then at the same time, mm -hmm. I think it also wants to kind of touch on some of the things from Rebels build on those um, and yeah. not necessarily feel like it's just retreading everything that happened in Rebels. So it's having to do two things. And I think it's doing a pretty yeah. good job. Of both of them, like touching on some things that happened in Rebels. Since we last talked last week, I've started a, a Rebels rewatch, just kind of thrown it on in the background yeah. while I'm doing my work and while I'm prepping for stuff throughout the week. And I actually, right now, I'm on like season two, episode 15, which was one wow. of the, um, the, the thing about the show. Anyone listening, if you haven't watched it or if you haven't watched it in a long time, just like you're saying, it's a it was made for kids. It's a kids show, so it is a super quick, easy watch, like very breezy. And what what is nice about it is it really makes um, like introduces the characters to you in a simple way where you can learn, like you can figure them out and follow along because it's made for kids. You know, it was supposed to be a kids show, but it just is very well done. And so I think it did it did really help me in just kind of caring a little bit more about some of these um, major characters in in here and just being a little bit more intrigued. And it's yeah. fascinating because the episode that I had uh, left off on was one where they actually interact with the Purgle. And Ezra mm. is, like, interacting with the Purgle, and the Purgle save them. Because initially, Hera hates the Purgle, and initially a lot of the... Um, a lot of people don't like the Purgle because they think of the Purgle as... Sort of like an asteroid field. They think of the Purgle as right. these animals that damage ships that make it very tough to fly through. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, um, saw that this episode. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's fascinating because if like anything, if you can learn learn to use the Purgle to your advantage, mm -hmm. it can be a big help to you. And that's sort of what happened with Sabine and Ahsoka here. They were able to kind of use. That the Purgle, like kind of like a minefield, right, flying through right. there and, and kind of using them to shield to to get away from Shin. Um, I thought that was fascinating, and it's cool because in Rebels you actually see them when they uh, fly uh, when they when they're able to just kind of flip into hyperspeed 
and it's pretty cool. Yeah. You see them just go straight into like and and travel through hyperspace. So a cool visual. It was only a short yeah. episode. It was only about thirty minutes. But what I'm hearing as we keep building is that episode five and then episode eight, like the middle point, and then the final episode are the ones where you'll have a lot of plot coming together, climactic stuff mm-hmm. happening, and then building in through the other episodes. Makes a lot of sense. That's usually yeah. how a lot of the templates are for for most shows, uh, something like that, like your middle uh, mm-hmm. season uh, big events and then the big events at the end. Um, yeah, you know, like overall, I like the tone. I think you get a good sense of comedy with, uh, with Hu Yang, and we'll talk yeah. about it in a minute. I laughed out loud at the moments when Sabine was trying to use the force with the cup and, yeah. and yeah. she, and, and then now it's not working and she looks and she's like, you win this round, you know, to yeah. the cup. Like that just, I thought that was good stuff. And, uh, Reminded yeah. Me of Mall rats a little bit. Yes. <laughs> at, uh, Silent Bob trying yeah, to use when the he's force. Sitting there trying and he's got the Batman, <laughs> he's got the Batman hat yeah. on, right? He's got the, uh, oh, that's pretty funny. So, and it's, uh, I believe, a, a pretty big uh, Dune reference as well. Yes. Uh, yes. Sitting across the table there. It was very it, similar to that scene with Dune, Paul Atreides Dune and his mother. Dune 2 is uh, in the works, right? It's not too far away. I oh, hear yeah. It. yeah. It, it got delayed. It did get delayed. Uh, so I don't think it's coming out this year, but it's coming out, I think, uh, early next year. Uh, Ahsoka, episode yeah. three. Time to fly. Let's dive on in to this one. We open up with our previously on, as always, and then the big Lucasfilm intro with different helmets of the Star Wars characters. And we open on a training scene. Many We've mm-hmm. seen a lot of scenes like this through the years in different movies and shows. Think of, you know, uh, if you're watching any of the animated stuff, you've seen lots of scenes like this with uh, Anakin and Ahsoka. We've seen Anakin... And Obi-Wan having training scenes just like this in the flashbacks in Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. We've seen uh, Anakin training like this when he was growing up with uh, Qui-Gon even. We've seen uh, uh, Yoda and Luke. All, all these different course, relationships yeah. just like this. And this one's kind of cool because Hu Yang is training with Sabine. There, it looks like they're going over like a lot of like sword training, um, like mm-hmm. they could, that she would use for the lightsaber, doing different exercises. And as Yang trains with her, Sabi- uh, Ahsoka is watching. And as they finish, Sabine asks how she did. Hu <laughs> Yang says, "Not bad, but not good." <laughs> and he's <laughs> just very, very blunt as uh, most droids are. Uh, Sabine says, "It's been a while." And he says, obviously, and uh, Ahsoka wants to try a different method. She talks about Zatochi, and Hu Yang bluntly says, I'm not sure that Ren is ready for that technique. (laughs) But Ahsoka goes on, your skill with the weapon comes from your Mandalorian upbringing. Remember, Sabine is a Mandalorian, but those skills alone will not be enough to defeat our enemy. You're training the body, but you must also open your mind. Learning to wield the force takes a deeper commitment. Th- this is something that I thought was uh, was intriguing because we've actually seen our guy Din Djarin, Mando struggle with like the dark saber, and so and it struggle mm-hmm. in situations where he needed to maybe be a little bit one with the force. Right? He's good at the physical. But right. whenever he needed to kind of, and that's something that he sort of learned in his time as a quote unquote parent with Grogu, 
right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of learning how to use the force, even though he's not a Jedi. Um, I thought some of the conversations about the force in this episode, I think are some mm-hmm. of the my favorite that I've ever heard in all of Star Wars. They seem like two regular people talking about what the force is. And it it just sort of makes a lot of sense to to me here. Uh, I yeah. really enjoyed it, just like in like how regular people would be talking because Sabine is not. While we know she has some sort of power, whether it's a witch power, some mystical something, she just can't summon the Force like a lot of the yeah. other uh, Jedi and Jedi training that we've seen. She just can't get there. Yeah, but we've seen that she might have some other angle on the force, Mm -hmm. you know, something that we're not quite familiar with. Maybe, you know, something that has to do with uh, the witches of Dathomir or something that we night sisters or who knows what. Uh, But I I found those scenes to be really interesting. That was one of the ones that I thought was kind of like a rhyme with the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. It reminded me a lot of the old stuff with, you know, Luke and Obi-Wan. Yes, uh, it did. Alec Guinness playing sort of like updated. Right, like yeah, slightly I mean, updated the, for dialogue and and just time, you know. Yeah, with that, with the helmet on, uh, the blind swordsman thing, the uh, Zatochi reference there—that's the Japanese blind swordsman. Uh, I think that that was a, a really effective scene, and it re- reminded us. It gave us a little bit of the member berries, but it also gave us mm-hmm. a little bit of the relationship between Zabine and Ahsoka. And it was a little bit of a different dynamic too. It was a little bit of a new spin, like you touched on before. Mm-hmm. They have a mentor, um, you know, apprentice relationship, but they're also a little bit more contemporaries at the same time, a little bit more sisters. Yes. So they're they're supportive and they're relating to each other on um, um, more of an equal footing. I think there's I think also a, a feminist message there that they're that they're uh, that including. Well, I'm not complaining about that whatsoever. I don't want it to sound like I am. I actually like it. I think it's it it rounds out the story and makes it a nice. Um, a nice addition to what we've seen before. And it's not just the same. It rhymes, but it is different. And like I think you pointed out when we talked last week, what's nice about this this character of Sabine, she's she's very layered. Like while she's struggling with the force, we know that she's super talented. She's good with um, with technical, with machine. She's a good pilot. We've seen like that she has plenty of, of skills. She just struggling in this particular area with like with using the force and with summoning it so i like that because like we've said every person is flawed but then no person is like so flawed where they can't do anything right you (laughs) know and it's never the flip side like nobody very few people are just fantastic at everything they pick up it's going to take them a while to work on things so this this feels real to me a lot of it it just it really uh it does and i think some of the gripe that people are having is that it's kind of hitting on everything like it's really going Mm -hmm. through a lot of this like the pacing might be off in some of the episodes Mm -hmm. because it is kind of taking you through everything even maybe some mundane things that we don't need to see but i i do think if you have the time to tell that story even though sometimes it feels like there are are little things that might have been a minute or two of of nothing i think in the long run that does help lay the groundwork for oh yeah for like really really feeling the relationships that our main characters have and really caring about, about them. Um, you know, Ahsoka, Ahsoka and Sabine continue to talk about the force. She, Ahsoka tells Sabine, you'll have to discover it. And, and it's, it's something that's unique to each one of us. Uh, Sabine says, well, according to Yang, I'm the worst candidate 
to be a Jedi of every Jedi he's ever known. She, Ahsoka looks over at Yang. You told her that? Well, <laughs> well it's true. <laughs> and, uh, um, she says it doesn't matter. And Sabine and Hu Yang both uh, think it does. But uh, Ahsoka has a new method. She brings out a mask and she hands it to Sabine, who scoffs. She said, You're joking, right? I, I can't see anything. How am I supposed to fight? You're supposed to fight with more than your eyes. Sabine puts the mask on and Ahsoka tells her to be still, listen to my voice. And Ahsoka creeps around while Sabine has to sense where Ahsoka is without her eyes. Uh, Shout out to my buddy Jason Castillo, my uh, best friend growing up. When we were young, uh, we used to spend the night at his house. And then his older brother was like three or four years older than us. And he would always have a friend or two over. We would play a game that was called Spooks in the Dark. Like this, and we would put a blindfold. We would put someone with a helmet or like a blindfold on, <laughs> and they would go around and like try to find everybody else when they were hidden. And we would just beat the crap out of that person while they were blindfolded. <laughs> it was like this game that we would play when we were like 12 and like 14. And you're just throwing oh balls goodness. at the blindfolded person who's trying to like blindfoldedly <laughs> t- like touch you and find you. And I, yeah. I can remember total tangent but i remember one night it was like one in the morning and his parents walk in and just seeing us like beating the crap out of each other in this room they're like what is going on and everybody gets like scolded and reprimanded in the room but that was our training for the force as we were trying to find if we can find other people while we're hucking soccer balls at one another and like baseball bats and wiffle wiffle balls and uh that's what sabine is dealing with here she's trying to find Mm -hmm. ahsoka and ahsoka (laughs) is making her use her senses Ahsoka's got a stick and she's kind of gently striking Sabine and Sabine's like one step behind her constantly but there's one moment when she sort of senses Ahsoka's presence she has a a, like a little burst where you can see her making progress but then that emotion sort of takes over again she gets too aggressive too like Mm -hmm. uh, too impatient and she like falls flat but all of this time, I think Ahsoka does a fantastic job as the master. She never seems impatient with Sabine. She always seems like she feels pretty confident that Sabine's going to continue yeah. to grow, that it's going to take time. Yang's the one that's taking shots all the time. And, uh, yeah. and, and Ahsoka's like doing a really good job, I think, here of just letting Sabine know it takes time. Um, let's go again. You know, anger and frustration, they unbalance you. Let's do this again. Uh, I, I like these scenes a lot. I think this was a good episode for the relationship of Ahsoka and Sabine. Like, I felt a lot more um, invested in these two together just coming off yeah. this short third episode. So for anyone that says maybe a whole lot didn't happen in here, I agree. <laughs> I guess, like, from the where we were at the very beginning to where we are at the end of the episode, we like a whole bunch of plot hasn't gone forward. But even if it was <laughs> just to make this relationship better i think the episode served its purpose exactly you couldn't have said i couldn't have said it better myself uh the relationships were front and center here i mean that's we picked up uh from that moment of ahsoka and sabine you know taking off in the ship you know to explore the galaxy on their mission uh so this is picking up where that left off uh with their training uh and and so that that's important we have to start somewhere with that so it's not like we just 
picked up with them still in in the uh, in the ship doing nothing. They've they've moved on to training now, and we're seeing where she is with the training, and she's at the beginning stages of it. It would be super corny if immediately Sabine is you know hitting all her marks when she's training, uh, and and she's and she's just uh, a Mary Sue about it. You know, we we've heard those complaints too with Ray and 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 the sequel trilogy. So. I think that it was smart the way that they put all the pieces on the on the chessboard here. And I mm-hmm. think this episode had a lot uh, to say and to do and a lot of characterization uh, within it. And it did move the plot a little bit, too. And we saw some new things, like I, I mentioned, the, the space whales and whatnot. So I, I really didn't have a problem with it. The most of the criticisms I've heard from this episode and this uh, series so far has been from these like kind of right wing guys. Uh, I kind of touched on. The, the, this is a, a little bit of a feminist show. So sure. these guys are mm-hmm. very, there's a whole like crowd of anti-feminist um, commentators, you know, not the new rock star guys, but these guys like Critical Drinker, um, blanking on some of the other guys, Nerd Rotic, I've mentioned before. I mm-hmm. like a lot of their commentary here and there, but I feel like they're way tone deaf at, in terms of this show. I'm, I'm not seeing eye to eye with any of that have you heard any of them uh, a little bit and you could tell a lot of those a lot sometimes too they just seem like they they are motivated right you know that they have like total reasoning yeah exactly and so it's not like the the some of the other shows that that you mentioned like or that we talk about sometimes like the guys on new rock stars or uh <laughs> even um you know there's there's a few that I'll I'll listen to the ringer a lot of the times the ringer verse and stuff like they'll be positive and negative about things like for yeah. for good reasoning right and like i think you and i are the same way i have like i watch all types of content like all <laughs> types of content like i i'm not like a one type uh, a person so I have Like I'll watch Stuff that's geared towards kids Women men everything And I'll have totally different Thoughts and opinions on why I like things And not I, just, I agree with you I don't like It when you can feel like something is, is Motivated for a reason and I haven't felt That in in this Series and watching it like sometimes we'll Talk about things where it's like oh that Was a little cringy like they did that to make the Guy seem great or the girl seem great Or to make yeah. it like Smack you in the face I haven't felt that In this episode right. or in this series Like, And if we do feel it we'll mention it Like, I have no yeah. I have no problem ever bringing That kind of stuff up I um, I like I like what they've done with These characters so far And in uh, I don't Like Ziono Man this guy's a dick We have uh, <laughs> up next we got The Ahsoka title screen yeah. and then the New Republic Fleet we have a meeting with General Syndulla Hera Syndulla mm-hmm. And five senators all on uh, holograms. We uh, check in with our friend Mon Mothma, who's in there. How you doing, Mon? Um, Mo- yeah. Mon and, and Hera know each other. They have a past. So it would be like, you know, you're sitting down for your Zoom meeting at work, TK. And mm-hmm. before the meeting starts, you know, your boss is just asking you about your kid. Hey, how's Connor doing? You know, TK, right. everything going well? And you're, you're shooting the shit a little bit with them. And then one of the other Bosses comes in and is like, "Hey, you know, we're running behind. Can you cut the chit chat?" <laughs> it's like, yeah. "Are you are you kidding me? They're talking about her kid. Like, what a jackass!" Yeah. You know, right away he sets the tone, and we find out that this is a senator who he is like he's super shady in that he didn't get involved in the war. He kind of waited, mm-hmm. and then he just sort of picked the winning side afterward. Yeah. 
you know, he wasn't really loyal to one side or the other. So that way he didn't have a way of losing. And you can see he just has this really wishy-washy sense to him. Um, Hera needs to let them know what, what's going on, though. He said, look, my investigating into the attack on Vesper led us to the Santine shipyards in Corellia. I was attacked by Imperial loyalists still working for Morgan Elsbeth. She barely even finishes her statement, and one of the senators, a female senator, interrupts. Uh, those are outliers. Outliers. Uh, we have former imperialists working through every level of the New Republic government, and they're all taking oaths of loyalty. So it, this woman, she feels like she is an imperial loyalist. And if she is, mm-hmm. she's not doing a good job of hiding it because she can't – like every time Hera says something, she just spouts off quickly, like right away. Um, Hera battles back. They said, long live the empire. Like that doesn't sound like the kind of loyalty <laughs> we're looking for, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, that's what this conversation and this council is about. Hera's letting them know what's happening on the ground floor. But you wonder with all these senators, um, yeah. are they compromised? What side are they really on? How many of them are loyal mm-hmm. to the empire? Uh, these are all questions that we have to ask now. And this was the moment where I went, wow, the new Republic is incompetent. Yeah. yeah. This was really that moment. I would, I would say in addition to incompetent that uh, you touched on it just a moment ago, there there's, there's somebody in there that's sabotaging. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's people inside that are being seditious. Uh, They've planted those seeds up in the previous episodes. um, And I think that we're going to see just a whole lot more of like, is, who is this guy? Uh, uh, loyal to are they loyal to the empire mm-hmm. or to the new republic uh, we're gonna get a better we, version of we, secret we invasion that. than we got in secret invasion <laughs> i was just thinking that yeah <laughs> they've already established that a little bit and it's and i mean this is slightly more heavy-handed than yes. you know the stuff that was happening on andor even though there we're get, definitely getting some andor crossovers here we got monothema in this very scene um so like but it, it's it's doing a good job, I think, of of meshing with that fabric uh, that was established on Andor, and uh, yeah, remember, but also uh, adding Tava. Like, this is stuff. a lot of what Captain Tava from Andor was talking mm-hmm. about when when he mm-hmm. was yes. going places and seeing people from old Empire people still working. He would go out to Remnant, and there would still be like Empire stuff here and there. And he was telling him, you know, yeah. there's little things happening all over the place, and they're going to start to rise up. He had warned them. And that's what mm-hmm. General Hera is doing here. She's saying, look, Grand Admiral Thrawn, there are rumors that he's still out there. And right away they question it. What? How is that possible? He disappeared years ago. Well, um, I have reason to believe that his allies are working on a way to find him. If I could get approval to send a task force to the Denab system, I could find out. And that's when Ziono interrupts her. To be honest, isn't this just another attempt to gain resources to aid in what has ultimately been your personal quest to find Ezra? What a dick, too. Like, her friend died. <laughs> and yeah. you have no reason, like, General Hera Syndulla, in everything that she's been in, you have no reason to ever question her yeah. honesty and, like, and what she's done for the New Republic. And you're questioning her now. And, and... Like a messed up thing to say, like you don't believe her, like you think she's full yeah. of it, and she's just sort of making this up because she wants to keep trying to find her friend. Um, Hera then says, "Were you ever in the war, Senator?" 
And yeah. said no. Just sat back and waited to see came out on top, right? <laughs> yeah. And that was just fantastic. Just yeah. a great line. She gives a look her. too that's just uh it could kill, you know. It was, it, it's it's it is a death stare in that moment. One senator says, Look, we just we don't want any more conflict. I know the people don't want to be in a war anymore. And her response is great. You act like we have a choice. Like, who wants to be in a war? Who wants to go fight for no right. reason? Nobody does. But Hera understands that there's there's no other option right now. She's seen what's percolating, what's happening. Um, the female senator says, you know, I see no enemy. The Imperial fleet is scattered and broken. They have no centralized command. But Thrawn might return. And that's when they will have a centralized command. She explains more about Thrawn. He killed my friends, people like family. I've spent most of my life fighting a war. That's why I'm trying to help you convince me to prevent another one. Um, they are going to talk a little bit more. Uh, Mon, Mon Mothma tries to settle things down a little bit. But ultimately, she doesn't really get what she wants. She doesn't get the uh, mm -hmm. the, the green light. To get the resources she needs So she leaves with a sour taste in her mouth But yeah. as she walks out Frustrated What can always help that Your, your kiddo your kiddo. Her son Jason yeah. uh, jumps in Jason is actually the son Of Hera and Kanan Kanan is someone who's mm -hmm. a main major character In the Rebel show uh, Shout mm -hmm. out voiced by my guy Freddie Prince Jr um, in, right uh, in, in Rebels And he is the guy who teaches Ezra the Force. He's Ezra's master. Um, and so he's a major character in Rebels. Uh, Jason, with a big smile, asks about Aunt Sabine, which was cool. Is Aunt Sabine going to be a Jedi? Chopper told me. <laughs> I want to be a Jedi, Mom. And uh, so he wants to be a Jedi like his dad was. And mm -hmm. so just a, a fun little interaction between the two of them. You get to see Hera with her uh, with her son. And this was sort of a callback to an, another character years ago that was in a, a former Star Wars um, a piece of content. Uh, it was, I believe, it was the son of was supposed to be the son of Luke that ended up getting mm -hmm. sort of repackaged into Kylo Ren. Um, and and sort and what mm -hmm. had happened. So it, it's kind of cool. It was just a, a throwback with the name Jason. And Jason, we get introduced to the son of Hera. But we check back in with our master Padawan as Ahsoka tells Sabine that you did well today. You were always a fast learner. Weapons is where Sabine feels comfortable, but the rest she feels, you know, she's not confident in the force. And this was another really good conversation that they have. She says, I, Sabine asks, I wish the urgency of our situation could you know, expedite my training a little bit. Let's get there. Let's get there, you know, and. Uh, ah, Ahsoka says it just doesn't work like that. The Force resides in all living things, even in you. Talent is a factor, but training and focus are what truly define someone's success. And Oscar, you, Oscar, uh, there I did it right there with the the wrestling. Ahsoka uh, uses the Force to move a cup towards her. She says, not everyone can handle the type of discipline it takes to master the ways of the Force. Start small. It's it's simple. It's basic. This is the type of thing that like you kind of roll your eyes when somebody gives you the advice, but you just have mm -hmm. to be really, really simple with it. You have to focus. And I think this is for 
this is great advice for anything you do in life. When you rush through something and Absolutely. you try to yada, yada, yada through it, you're never going to really get the most out of it. And yeah, I, uh, I, I just love their, their basic like, conversations, but they just help shape my, um, my idea of what the force really is uh, to me. And I, I love how Sabine says, I'm going to give this my best. And you just feel it like you feel this mm-hmm. honesty between the two of them. I did when I was watching this episode a lot. Like I, we keep talking, it's sort of like a sister. There's a, there's a mm-hmm. good dynamic between the two of them that I really enjoyed in this episode. Like honesty, there's a little bit of comedy at some point. There's like mm-hmm. a, just a comfortability now that they had that, that they we didn't see with them. There was still an awkwardness with them in episode one and episode two because we didn't yeah. really know where they left off and it seemed like there was something uncomfortable that happened the last time they were together now they're kind of over that yeah there there's a, a mutual appreciation between them that that seems pretty you know evident in their interactions you know they're just they're just supportive of one another uh and that's a kind of a refreshing dynamic to have um it it's for like a mentor uh mentee relationship here uh there's really it, the, the conflict between them has seems to have been settled and now they're kind of like this dual force that is working on external conflicts um and mm-hmm. it's interesting i like it i i i, I find it fresh and I, yeah. I like their chemistry and that's a good a really good point because this particular dynamic it's not like they're reinventing the wheel or anything here but there mm-hmm. is just a different spin on it with these two characters, yeah. it just feels a little bit different than we've seen the same relationship, like we said, over and over with it, with it, with mm-hmm. different sets of characters. But this one feels it feels good. And and then they're able to strike a lot of chords that are 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 positive as Soka walks into the cockpit to talk with Yang as Sabine continues to train. She asks uh, a, any word on her support from the New Republic. Uh, no, not yet. Yang asks about her progress. Soka says she's frustrated. It's still a challenge for her. Um, and she says to Yang, what, what you said didn't help. <laughs> he said, I only spoke the truth. The Jedi Order would not ex- have accepted her. She is not an acceptable candidate. <laughs> By their standards, which is what uh, Soka says, standards which were proven over a millennium. Remember, Droid and Yang, <laughs> very matter of fact in everything. But Ahsoka points out, they failed. I don't need Sabine to be a Jedi. I need her to be herself. And I thought this next line was awesome. I suppose you do come from a long line of non-traditional Jedi. Tradition of non-tradition. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And that the tradition of non-tradition, when you think of who taught her in Anakin, you know, and uh, the non-traditional Jedi that she's been around, she's seen Ezra, who is a non-traditional Jedi, and now Sabine, and um, all the way back just, to Qui Gon, all the way they back to Qui Gon, all the way back to Qui Gon and Obi Wan, and and well, the decisions that they made to ch- uh, to train Anakin, the Jedi to tra- Order. exactly. Yeah. And Qui Gon, um, Filoni has talked about this in uh, in interviews and stuff. He he like holds Qui Gon up in reverence as like yeah. he was one of the really level-headed Jedi. Back at a time mm-hmm. when when a lot of them were sort of not seeing what was right in front of them and maybe thinking mm-hmm. on the on the, the bigger, the larger scale and too big of a picture. He was seeing right. what was right in front of him. And um, yep. uh, I, I I love some of these conversations about the force, about the Jedi. 
And and this is when Sabine is uh, she's talking to herself. Okay, the force is in all of us. You know, she's just trying to pump herself up a little bit, and she's trying to make this cup move, and she's focused, and nothing. And she tries it again. Uh, nothing, you know, and she's sitting there like it, it's like how any one of us would try to use the force, right? You just like sit yeah. there and you'd look at it and you'd like put your hand out. It's like mm, yeah. who has who is that? That's a Star Wars fan. I'm sorry. Who hasn't done this before? <laughs> right. right? Like we've all done this. We've sat at the table and it's like no one's around and you're looking like okay, it's gonna work for me this time. It's gonna work. Come on, cup. You know, and I I I love this little. 30 seconds way more than I should have. I just, it, it, you hear Ahsoka from the other room says, oh, Sabine, I've got Hera. And, uh, and then Sabine looks at the cup and she goes, you win this round. <laughs> and yeah. she gets up and walks off. I Again, like we said, these are real training stuff. We're not getting the like, um, you know, like the journey song in the background while she just immediately becomes the greatest. <laughs> right. In like, no montage here. Hearts <laughs> on fire. I need a montage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was watching the movie Vision Quest the other day, so I'm in like a very oh, 80s. Yeah, just great, great <laughs> one. Um, so Sabine joins uh, Ahsoka and Huyang in the cockpit to talk with Hera. And she says, Hera, how are you in the fleet out there? Uh, Hera's bummed unfortunately i won't be joining you and neither will the fleet the senate committee won't approve the mission i'm sorry sabine it's not up to me i have to follow orders and then the transmission gets cut off yeah because they enter uh you know we tk we deal with this all the time bad service you know (laughs) you you drive through a a tunnel or something you know you drive through the wrong the wrong area where there's some mountains and all of a sudden the galaxy yeah (laughs) all of a sudden your transmission cuts off um so they drop out of hyperspace and they want to check on what morgan elsbeth's uh hiding so (laughs) to be and i like little things like sabine asks why did we drop out of hyperspace Yang says this is standard Jedi mission protocol when you approach an unknown situation in order to avoid enemy surveillance. Speed is like every she forgets that like you can't ask a question without Hu Yang answering it like so matter of factly just like that all the time. Uh, so she sort of rolls her eyes, but all all of a sudden we see Shin. Morocco and a few fighter ships, kind of cool designed, red and yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're coming after Ahsoka and Sabine. So Sabine quickly needs to take control of the blasters. And this was a great scene that expedited their relationship. And this was kind of yeah. what Sabine was asking for a little earlier. Is there anything we can do that can expedite the training here? Well, how, <laughs> yeah, how yeah. about like throw yourself right into a situation where it's yeah. life and death <laughs> into the you know? fire yeah like boom here you go so sabine jumps down she's on the controls ahsoka's flying the ship here and mm-hmm. she's telling her okay remember to anticipate uh sabine says no it's not the time for a lesson and, and we're getting a little like funny small talk and <laughs> banter between the two of them and while they're trying to stay alive hu yang's trying to get a read on who they are and trying to get a read on this big object that Morgan Elsbeth is um, is tracked to. So this is a cool action sequence here where we see Sabine yeah. kind of um, working out her kinks right here on the job. You know, uh, the first mm-hmm. time through, 
Ahsoka sets her up. Sabine misses. But the yeah. second time through, but you could tell even after she missed, she said, I missed, but I had him. Yeah. And yeah. I loved that line, by the too. way. That was such a great. I don't know why I loved it so I much. Too. I, I wrote a note on that. Like I circled that yeah. specific line. I just it was like. She it owned it. She owned her mistake. And I don't know. But something she inspired about that. this confidence right back. Yeah. It would be like if you and I were talking and you were and it, like we're recording this thing and you'd be like, oh, my bad. I messed up on that. I know what I'm going to say this time. You know, it's just like the way yeah, she said I it can with do the it. confidence. Yeah. I would be like, oh, yeah. yep, I trust her completely. And you could tell that yeah. that's exactly what happened. Ahsoka said, yeah, don't worry about it. You're going to get another chance. Boom. Here's two more ahead uh, mm-hmm. incoming. I'm going to split them. Ready? And then boom. She connects, and when she connects, this is freaking Luke Skywalker, right? Like yeah. the way she reacts, she goes, "Woo, yeah. I got one!" And she's all pumped, yeah. and it gives you goosebumps a little bit, you know, because yeah, it, you feel her excitement because you felt her disappointment a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, if exactly. we didn't spend some of that time with her training or Huyang kind of denigrating her, you wouldn't feel yeah. good for her success here. And that's what storytelling is all about. Yeah. Yeah, she's overcoming her flaws and improving. And that's that's her part of her hero's journey. You know, we're in about the early part of the second act, I think, for the for the season long, you know, probably three to five act structure here. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I could see why some people thought that this was a little bit of a slow. This was a building episode. But, I mean, we got a great dog fight in here. Uh, again, that's more like that rhyming with the original trilogy stuff a lot of this reminded me of those millennium falcon dog fights uh even just the way the edits and the the shots were cut together the the image of you know sabine in that um you know behind the guns and in that turret Mm -hmm. uh and then we had forgive me i'm forgetting the name of the uh shin what is her name yes yeah who is very much echoing uh, uh, Anakin, he, mm-hmm. she had that same like visor. Uh, oh, the look on. and everything. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that it, it, it was it was very Star Wars. It, it was executed very well. Uh, it was mostly women playing out on on screen. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that's probably one of the reasons why some of those guys I mentioned earlier just didn't like what they were seeing. They just uh, have something against the, like the, the the whole forces female movement. Which again, I'm I'm with them to a degree. But none of this bothered me. I really liked it. I, everything I saw in this episode was cool. Yeah, it doesn't um, so, feel yeah. heavy-handed. When it feels natural no. and it feels like it's part of the story and it's not, like, shoehorned in, I have no yeah. problem with any man, female, child, creature, anyone being, like, a hero or having, like, redeeming moments or being the uh, the savior. I have no problem if the story is told and it's believable. Um, I feel like that's what they did here. They, they, me they too. established it. They gave us the moments of like her failing and building up, and they gave us reasonable, you know, stakes and uh, logical. Uh, they set the table in a logical way for things to play out. To me, nothing felt like super forced or anything no. like that. We so, see yeah, her like becoming her. more comfortable too, Sabine. As this is going, right? She connects the first time. She connects again, and then she's sort of directing traffic. Then she's the one telling Ahsoka, okay, here, copy that on my mark. And then, okay, tell me when. Now, boom, she gets one. Boom, two more down. She's all pumped up. Um, Huyang's still trying to get a read on what's off in the distance. And Mm -hmm. Huyang uh, says, wow, if I had to guess, some sort of hyperspace ring. 
So they get yeah. closer and closer. Actually, we see we get a, a flash to Elsbeth. So we see from her point of view, she's inside her layer sort of uh, room in this huge hyperspace ring. And so then we change perspectives for a minute. Now we hear Morgan Elsbeth talking to Shin um, over radio. Shin tells her they're entering your sector, Morgan. Um, and they they sort of go back and forth. Elsbeth says, stay clear. I will deal with them. Prepare turbo lasers. So we see this is such a, like a Austin Powers thing. I was thinking about this when they were in there. It's like prepare the laser. You know, she's in like, <laughs> yeah. this, this layer here and uh, she's getting yeah. ready. But we see the the power of this hyperspace ring. Not only yeah. is this a ring that can at the flip of a switch mm-hmm. go right into hyperspace so you can't track it, but it has incredible power. It's like yeah. unlike anything that they have seen when Huyang is trying to get a read on it. He's like Marvel mm-hmm. at it as he's like going through. He's like, wow. And oh, my goodness. And yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so what do you think that of this hyperspace ring? Yes, those are the death again. More rhyming here, but uh, with with new stuff. Instead of this giant sphere, it's a giant ring. Uh, it, 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 does it destroy planets? No, it trans it tra- you know transports you know larger ships than we've ever been used to, uh, farther than we've ever been used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- it, it's a new dynamic in the galaxy. So all the characters are reacting to it because it's just it just changes the scale of everything and the power the scope. Uh, yep, exactly. You know, the power dynamic and the scope of everything. So it's very similar to the Death Star again, that rhyming, but it's different. It it it, it changes it in a different way. So as Hu Yang is getting the data here, he uh, um, he's able to relay that to Ahsoka. She's She's flying. She keeps dodging shots from Elsbeth as Hu Yang is fully figuring out what this hyperspace ring is. Um, Sabine's doing a fantastic job, and Ahsoka and her are working together. And as the scan is complete, Elsbeth connects with Ahsoka's ship. Elsbeth's shot actually hits Yang. So he becomes like out of commission. Um, He gets shot. And Sabine goes to try to fix Hu Yang, but I like this moment where Ahsoka's like, look, he's out right now. We can yeah. fix him later. Let's prioritize. And yeah. we can't help Hu Yang if we're both dead. This actually leads to a, a funny moment in a second when Sabine could use his help and he's not there. Mm-hmm. So it might have actually been better for them to yeah. quickly get Hu Yang back up to speed and then go. But uh, we understand yeah. why Ahsoka would suggest otherwise. And we see the two of them here, like, really have to work together. Mm-hmm. As um, ah- Ahsoka says, hey, work fast. I'm going out there. Yeah. And, and Sabine's response would have been just like yours or mine. Out there? Yeah. Out where? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Um yeah. Reminds oh. me of like when Captain America would just like jump out of a plane. Like, where did he have a shoot? What's going on here? This was like uh, just we just saw this in Guardians Three, right? They all jumped right, in those right. those uh, different colored spacesuits. Right. All of a sudden, Ahsoka suits up. Yeah. She's in space. She's walking on the wing. Now she's out there yeah. in a spacesuit on the wing of the ship, and she has her two lightsabers. Yep. Yep. And as the <laughs> as the ships. She's the first she has to jump to avoid some shots and blasters. Mm-hmm. And then as they come around the second time, 
she leaps up into the air and with her lightsaber, she slices right through one of the fighters, yeah. which was just badass. Bad. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah. And I'm fine with, I can get myself to this point thinking, mm-hmm. um, I know new rock stars, Eric was talking about this, thinking that like either her suit had some sort of gravity, some sort of yeah. thing, or just like That's her right. abilities with the force, even like, I don't know, Both like combined. All, yeah. all of that together. I I'm completely fine with this. With this part, like it didn't seem too far fetched to me or too like, oh my gosh, what's going on? In fact, like this is a thing they show in Rebels. Like Ezra does something similar to this where he leaps, flips, and slices through fighters. I I hadn't seen it, but Mm -hmm. uh, done like in live action, the way she uses her lightsabers, like they're like she like it's like a cane or like it's a fork that she's using to eat like she just it's it's <laughs> part of her hand almost you know yeah, like yeah. I, she her, the way she uses the lightsabers are so different than other people that i love it it's like ingenious yeah i loved this whole sequence here it, it, from the moment that the, their ship was disabled there was a real impact to that it felt kind of brutal and you know you know who yang going down uh, that that felt like oh is this a permanent thing for a second like did, did, did they just kill you know this droid uh obviously it's a droid so repairs uh, totally gonna happen and did uh but then you know when she goes out onto the wing i had that thought for a second of like oh is this plausible and then immediately was like yeah for the reasons you said mm-hmm. she's got she's a force power we've shown her use telekinesis in this very episode we've also seen uh leia use it in um uh, last jedi you know, when she was mm-hmm. out with, with no suit and, you know, saved herself and moved herself through space. Uh, very powerful Jedi, of course. Le- I don't know if we technically a Jedi, but um, nevertheless. Force wielder, um, yeah. Force wielder, yeah, better to say. Uh, but then, you know, really cool lightsaber attack. I love to see her deflecting those, you know, blaster bolts and then take out the, uh, the ship. I'm all for it. Everything I saw was totally reasonable. And I think they even did with a shot or two um indicate that her boots or something had some type of uh magnet. gravity yeah some, yeah mag- magnet so there, so there was something that was sticking her feet there that was replicating some t- some form of like gravity or magnetism some force that was keeping her on but obviously she could jump a- away from it overcome that force and then that one time when she got knocked away from it it was just she got too far away from it and was kind of floating and made perfect sense to me it was totally plausible within the context of you know what we've seen before and as she's out out there on the wing and she's trying to 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 deal with the fighters, Sabine's quickly fixing the ship. And as she's <laughs> trying to fix the ship, there's one part where she's having trouble with and she looks over and she just sees Hu Yang laying there. And she's like, the one time I could use your advice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he's just out. Um, and And then Ahsoka has her moment where she slices through the fighters. And then she's just floating in space after she's just out in the middle. And as she's floating off into space, she just kind of nonchalantly says, Hey, uh, Sabine, did you fix the ship yet? (laughs) Sabine looks over and sees Asuka floating. And she's like, um, yeah, I I got it. I got it. And again, Ahsoka's like, okay, that's great. Now get me. And (laughs) I just, I like the comedy here. I thought it was, it was well done. And then with a really nifty spin move, Sabine mm-hmm. flips around and kind of Ahsoka drops back into the ship. And she even yeah. says, nice trick. Uh, you, you got any more? 
Um, so Sabine is able to save Ahsoka. It's just a perfect team. Like this was great teamwork right here. Yeah. Exactly what needed to happen. It wasn't 100% perfect and smooth, but that's, mm-hmm. that's what we want to see from our main characters. Yeah. It's never perfect. It's never smooth, but you get the job done. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Facing the conflict, overcoming the odds, uh, you know, facing their own, uh, fatal flaws, potentially fatal flaws and overcoming those like that, all that stuff w- was there. And then it, it was there on a scale. I think that was again, like that second act we're building towards something big. We haven't met Thrawn yet. Will we meet him in this series? Uh, and to what extent I, I'm confident we will, you know, casting says so, but to, to what extent will we really get to like resolve the conflict with him? Probably not. That's going to be, in the movies or whatever, but uh, I could see that there's a trajectory here, and mm-hmm. uh, I feel like we're in a good place. Like I'm kind of where we're kind of where I would expect to be at this point, um, and and I say that in a in a, in a good way. It's not like mm-hmm. it's like overly predictable or anything, but it's like okay, it feels like we're we're following a classic kind of story structure here, and I feel like we're in pretty good hands. Me too. As uh, Shin and Morak continue to chase Ahsoka and Sabine, Ahsoka. So I'm tracking something other up ahead. Is it another ship? No. And then we hear this. It reminds me of South Park of the sounds yeah. of the giraffes. And it's these big purgle, huge purgle all over, massive whales. It's like they're flying in a storm. I mentioned an asteroid field because there's these creatures all over as you're flying. You have to duck out of the way, you have to change direction, you have to alter course, move your trajectory, yeah. and the Purgle help Ahsoka and Sabine by acting as shields as they're being followed. They're able to kind of duck behind one and yeah. duck behind another, and and what's, they use these Purgle as cover, mm-hmm. and the Purgle are meaningful to Sabine because Ezra had a real connection with them and the, the Purgle mm-hmm. had saved them a couple times throughout the Rebel series. And it there was a moment where one of the Purgle was flying up right next to where Sabine was flying and they almost looked yeah. at each other in the eyes. And mm-hmm. and that was a thing that Ezra did in Rebels. Like he was able to use the force to connect with the Purgle and to kind of get inside their mind. So he understood them. He was able to figure out that they were not evil. They were like a peaceful creature mm-hmm. that just wanted to get, like, they just have to travel long periods, like, mm-hmm. in long stretches. Um, so I thought they did a good job of making these creatures seem kind of just cool. Like, yeah, like, like visually pretty well done. This is something that could be hard to do. And mm-hmm. um, they... You know, they create a nice shield for our main characters who are able to fly off and then land in uh, land in this big field. And as they land, mm-hmm. they actually see Shin and Morok fly overhead. So, uh, yeah, Purgle. in the forest. Yeah, I love the Purgle. I love the Purgle. Um, I, first time in live action, I think, besides mm-hmm. uh, the little flash that we got in the Mandalorian most recent season. Yep. Uh, and even that was like we saw them from the perspective of hyperspace travel where they're kind of obscured. So this was our first, you know, live action look at them and their scale. I had no idea they were so big. I thought they were big, but they were way bigger than I had in my in my brain. Um, these are like Kaiju Godzilla sized 
you know, big um, Star Destroyer sized uh, animals here. I love your comparison to like an asteroid field um, that's like a biological asteroid field. And again, it's like that echoing, that rhyming of, you know, previous stuff, original trilogy stuff, you know, like we were just in the, a dog fight that reminded us of Millennium Falcon trying to escape from, you know, uh, pursuers. And how do they get out? They hide in an uh, asteroid field and they, and they use that as cover. So this is just a, a spin on that and a cool twist on it and a cool continuation of that. Uh, and then when they land in this cool forest planet, again, it's like echoing like Dagobah maybe or, or some other forest planet like like Endor, but it's a it's a new look. We've got like completely like reddish colored leaves on all the trees. It's a beautiful I loved uh, lo it. locale. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved everything about it. And so it it just feels Star Wars, and it, it feels it like a new chapter of Star Wars. So I'm really appreciative of that. And it's 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 kind of bite sized too. It's th it's thirty minutes, and we're getting this piecemeal mm -hmm. story. Maybe people aren't a hundred percent on board with enjoying star wars that way maybe that could be a reason why some people don't like these short episodes like star wars is generally had this like epic um theatrical experience and we're we're getting a different thing this is tv so uh i i think they're and doing I, a great balance here but you know, and i gotta to say too for for being tv i never yeah. felt small in this episode no. right like for some of the same complaints the that we have great. about about like mm -hmm. the Marvel stuff when it's some of their TV shows, they just feel like, oh, you could feel the difference between the TV show yeah. and, and the movie if that were a movie, you know. Um, I never felt that here. Like visually, like you said, when yeah. they're in space, when they're flying around, everything feels like on a big scope. It does feel like yeah. movie quality. Everything about the special effects, the visual effects, the CG uh, and the cinematography coalesced into something that to me was on that theatrical level with no no loss whatsoever and yeah. that's not what we've gotten in the past i mean i noted very heavily book of boba, boba fett, fett even had some yeah very power rangery at times and, and and cheap and like this looks like a tv show uh for whatever reason and even hell if you go to original trilogy stuff i'm sorry not original trilogy prequel trilogy stuff or even some of the special editions of the original trilogy those special effects aren't always holding up the CG stuff that was made in like the 90s. And that doesn't hold up the way you might want it to in comparison to this stuff. This stuff is pretty across the board good. Um, and I thought that Purgles were a great example of that, but the dogfights were excellent. Everything with the lightsabers were excellent. The special effects with Ahsoka out floating in space, I thought was pretty excellent. Uh, yeah, not a whole lot of themes did I see, you know, uh, in the production. So as they power back up Huyang, he asks, what did I miss? And Ahsoka says, we, we almost died. And Sabine says, multiple times. And he goes, ah, yes, standard operating procedure. <laughs> so they shut the power down again. That's when they, uh, they land and they see Sabine and, or they, Sabine and Ahsoka see Shin and Murak fly overhead. So they they know they have a, a chance to kind of regroup for a second. And Sabine mentions that she hasn't seen those creatures since the day Ezra disappeared. Mm. Hmm. And as they are able to now turn Yang back on, they power him back up. They're not quite as worried as they saw their uh, enemies fly overhead. They think they've at least bought themselves some time. Huyang mm -hmm. lets them know 
that the vessel, the hyperspace ring, is still under construction and not yet complete. But there are <laughs> six hyperdrive engines in place with the final one being set into position. It says, I've never seen one built on this scale before. A craft with yeah. these power levels and configuration would be capable of a hyperspace jump of astonishing speed and distance. And Ahsoka asks, could a ring like that make a jump into a neighboring galaxy? Mm-hmm. Theoretically, if it knew the coordinates and navigation, yes, it could. We're talking about a vehicle that can jump between galaxies now. Yeah. He Yang points Massive out points. the Jedi yeah. archives speak of intergalactic hyperspace lanes between galaxies which used to follow the migration paths of star whales named Purgle. Yeah. Like the ones they just saw. <laughs> yeah. And Hu Yang says, really? When? You know? Um, okay. So we're talking about between galaxies now, not in a galaxy yeah. far, far away. Galaxies far, far yeah. away now. They've just raised the stakes. Yeah, and, and we're connecting to old, old ancient lore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is stuff. This is Knights of the Old Republic potentially. This is um, this is stuff that c- could come out of Legends, uh, that uh, in the extended universe that we haven't really touched on yet. A lot of stuff that I really don't know too much about. But gotta say, I, I'm hankering for a little Knights of the Old Republic because I loved that pathway uh, that to Perdia, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the the cosmic force across the galaxies that's the the, the leading so um this is cool stuff like what you said it's yeah. scratching on stuff that we know but then it's introducing new stuff to us new yeah. old stuff new in live action but stuff that's rooted in ancient star wars lore and ancient star wars history yeah. uh, it I'm, literally opens up a, a doorway to another galaxy Quite literally, within the context Quite of the story. Quite so. literally, factually <laughs> opening up a door to a new galaxy. The final scene, we check in with Balin and a group of— we had more of him. I know. We had more of him this episode. That's the you, one like, complaint. Like, you he, feel like the there's got to be— on screen. He just— It's just you feel elevated. It. You yep. feel it. And he has a group of droids that he's commanding, and he tells them to hunt them down— Balin and Shin continue to be set off after our our friends Ahsoka, Sabine, and Kuyang. Yeah, it was a short episode, but it was a lot of fun. Like you said, it was quick, it was breezy, yeah. easy to watch, and you come out of it feeling better about the relationships between our main characters. And now I feel like, okay, did we maybe take three episodes and like an hour and 20 minutes to get to a point that we could have gotten to a little bit shorter and maybe, but like I said, all the little stuff are the things that makes us really feel this relationship between uh, Sabine and Ahsoka. And so I don't mind it. And I'm, I'm pumped for where we're going now in episode four, part four. Like I feel like we're on a nice trajectory with this one and not a whole lot Mm -hmm. of negative feelings coming out of this episode. Um, I'd rather have a short episode like this where I don't have negatives than 15 or 20 more minutes yeah. of fluff that we just didn't need. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought the pace of this one was nice. It, it, Much better. And probably because there was no, nothing really extraneous in it. Uh, and, you know, we did get some quiet moments 
uh, but I wasn't bored by them because to me, those were moments that were building characterization and characterization is crucial to the plot. You know, that that's that's the, the plot only really matters as it relates to the characters and where they are in their lives and their journeys. Um, and so characterization and therefore characterization is kind of uh, the, the most important thing, uh, you know, in, in the storytelling. I feel like sometimes people can get a little bit myopic thinking like this, the plot didn't move you know, from uh, enough spaces in this episode. Like we didn't we didn't get to a different location or have a, a drastically different dynamic by the end of it, but we are moving. We are changing Absolutely. and we're learning things about this story and this world and these characters. So I'm happy with it. Uh, and you know, I, it wasn't a big time suck for me. It was a little 30 minute uh, breeze through the Star Wars universe. And I thought it, it was it was nice. It was, it was uh, an enjoyable little trip. We're going to find out more about the Eye of Scion. That's the name of the hyperspace ring. We're going to find out more about Ahsoka and Sabine, about the Pergil, about Ezra, about Thrawn. You're going to hear about all of that each and every week right here with us on uh, That's What G Said. So this is episode three in the books. We have eight episodes of Ahsoka. We will be here with you each and every week. Tim Kelly joins us. And if you're not following Tim on social media, make sure to do so. He loves everything that is fandom, Marvel, Star Wars. Tim is also a very, very good musician. Him and his wife have some great, great songs and music projects they've worked on together. You want to check them all out by following Tim. Tim is not funny on Twitter and on Instagram. Thank you so much, buddy. Uh, another uh, another nice one. Episode three down, and we can... Uh, we can put that one in the records and in the archives, and I look forward to chatting episode four with you next week. Same. I look forward to it, and I'm glad uh, to be discussing a show that uh, I'm kind of excited to watch week to yeah. week. Uh, it's, it's a, nice a better better feel than the last time, right? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, we get, get a yeah. little bit of the better that, that bad taste out of our mouth with, uh, with Secret Invasion, and yeah. we're excited here for Ahsoka and where we're going to head in episode four. Thanks so much, everyone, for hanging out with us. Uh, don't forget... Let anyone know that, like Star Wars, we have all of the Star Wars and Marvel shows and movies archived. If you ever want to go back and watch and listen, I've actually been seeing a lot of folks out there that have been catching up on some of the old shows and going back and listening to our recaps because they sort of help you from episode to episode make sense of it all. Uh, Thanks so much for hanging out with us, and we'll be back again next week, episode four of Ahsoka. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. Hope everybody had a nice holiday weekend. And now it always kind of feels real right after Labor Day. Like everything gets back into school, back into the swing of things. Summer's over. And now we, uh, we'll we take a, a big shift as far as the racing is concerned. Saratoga's in the books. Del Mar has uh, one more week left. So we'll have tons of Del Mar coverage next week. We'll continue on with Woodbine Racing, Louisiana Downs. Just a couple weeks left there as well. Hope you all have a nice uh, week coming up, and football starts soon, so we'll have previews of every single game in the NFL season with Eric. This will be our third consecutive year previewing every single game, every single week. Some shows pick the best games of the week, talk about a few, they give out their best bets. No, we go over every game, all sorts of analysis. If you haven't heard it before, make sure you tune in for football season uh, in our weekly podcast here. Talk to you soon, folks.